This morning I titled my message, Pray Until the Answer Comes. So don't give up. Keep praying. Keep digging in and praying. Be earnest. You know, uh, I had the kids last quarter, and I, I tried to well, encourage them, trying to guide them in prayer, and had one of them each week take turns praying, trying to help guide them in prayer, because prayer is our, that's, that's our link between God. It's one of the most important tools that we have. It's our lifeline, as Karen said. Prayer is so important, so vital in our walk with Him. It's how we commune with God. So we're going back to Daniel chapter 10. We're, we're working our way through Daniel, verses 1 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. And he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So it was kind of a partial fast, if you will. It didn't say he didn't eat any food. He didn't eat any pleasant food, no meat, no wine. He didn't anoint himself. I'm not sure if that means he didn't bathe for the entire three weeks, but he didn't do anything pleasant or pleasurable for himself. He ate just enough to sustain himself. He may have bathed, but he didn't anoint himself to be refreshed and be uh, just anointed. So, partial fast. Sometimes we need to understand how important a fast may be with, in our times of prayer. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and behold... A certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with the gold of Euphaz, his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of the multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled and hid themselves." So he was not alone in this prayer time. So he was having, if you will, a prayer meeting. But he's the only one that saw the vision. The rest of them, what did they do, man? Terror filled their hearts. They fled. Now you think about that. If we was having a prayer meeting, or let's just say the church in general, man, they're, come, they're gathered together for a prayer meeting, and the power of God showed up, uh, whether it be a vision or a man, I can envision that there'd probably be quite a few people that would run because they didn't they wouldn't know what happened. They wouldn't know what was going on. So they fled. Verse 8. He says, "Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I restrained retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Suddenly, a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling." Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand 
and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the king of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to me, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with how can the servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said to me, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. So when he had spoken to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. May God add his blessings to the hearing and the reading of his holy word. You know, we would love to hear that whether it be man or woman, O man or O woman, greatly beloved of the Lord. He was faithful to God and God loved him. God respected and trusted Daniel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and magnify you. We thank you for your glorious presence in our lives. And I thank you that you sent your spirit to speak to us, to guide us, uh, and to encourage us. And Father, as we read this morning and we know of angels and the battles, we thank you for your angels that you send many times to watch over us, to protect us from harm and to just uh, be there for us when, when we are in great need, Father. We thank you for that. Lord, that they may even bring messages to us, Father. We thank you. And Father, may our eyes and our ears and our hearts always be open and ready to receive what you have for us. May they be open today to receive what you have for us, Father. I pray that your name will be lifted high, that you would be exalted. And Father, may your people be strengthened in Jesus' name. Amen. So prayer. That's the main context of this, prayer. Prayer is something, you know, we, we talk about it often. I've talked about prayer, I know, probably many times over the years. You know, we have our time of prayer every Sabbath. We come together, we'll have prayer before we have Sabbath school. We'll have a time of prayer, we'll lift up our concerns and needs and care and we'll pray. And we, we do it often. We do it many times. And hopefully most of us have an allotted time in our day where we have a time of prayer. That we have set aside a space. You know, some of us it may be in the morning. It may be in the afternoon. It may be in the evening. For some of you it might be all three. And if it is, praise the Lord. But if you don't have an allotted time, I encourage you to try to carve out a little bit of time in your day or sometime in your day, that you can spend time with God. Because that's, we communicate. We talk with God. That's how we commune with Him. Prayer is so vital. If you don't have, someone doesn't want you to pray. 
And I'll let you guess who doesn't want you to pray. The enemy, the adversary, does not want us to pray. So that's all the more reason why we should. God wants us to pray. He wants us to communicate, talk with Him. You know, there's something revealed in Daniel 10 that many people who may just offer casual prayers once in a while, you know, let's say that they're not the real mature Christian, they may not really understand. And that is that our prayers actually have the ability to set things in motion in the heavenly realm. In the spiritual realm. That's revealed right here in the Scripture. It sets things in motion. Daniel, Daniel's vision gives us some real evidence of what happens when believers pray. The key is, he said to me in verses 12 and 13, Do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. His prayers were heard from the very first day, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. From the very first day, from the very first time he knelt down to pray, things began to happen. He was sent forth, but he was delayed because of the battle. Engaged in a spiritual battle in that unseen world that we can't see, he's in the battle though. That angel is in that battle from the very first day he sent him forth. Let that sink in for a minute. Daniel's prayer set that entire thing in motion. Your prayers can have the same effect. Do you believe that? Your prayers can set things in motion. When you think of that, that is just amazingly powerful. There, are, there is a spiritual realm out there and you can make a difference in it. Have you ever wondered or thought, why has God designed things in such a way that the prayers of believers can be such a vital part in making things happen? happen here, and happen in the spiritual realm. Have you, have you ever not thought that? I have. I've, I've thought, man, why would God wait for little old me to pray and set things in motion in the spiritual realm? Just, you know, I'm just an ordinary man. You're an ordinary woman. You're an ordinary man. Haven't you ever thought, well, why would the, the Creator of the universe wait for us to pray? Why do our prayers matter so much, how can they set things in motion in the spiritual realm? He knows all things, right? He's an all-powerful, almighty creator. He knows the evil that's going on in the world. God could just say, some evil's happening, and boom, do away with it. He could just wipe them out right now. He could make everything peacefully, peaceful very easily if He chose to. But I think researching this, I think I may have come up with the answer. It's because God respects mankind's freedom of choice. The same way with believing. We have the freedom to choose, do we not? God says, here is my son. I've sent him to die. You believe in him. You can have life eternal. But you get to choose. You get to choose whether to believe or whether to not believe. And I believe the same thing 
happens with our prayers. He's respecting our freedom of choice. Whether we want His interference, we'll call it interference, or want His presence, want His power in our lives. Isn't that amazing? He gives us the choice. He gives us the choice to say, God, please, come and be a part of my life. God, I want you to intervene in my life. He gives us the choice of whether we want to struggle along in our own natural self or whether we want Him to intervene in our lives. Be part of what's going on in our lives, the mess we're in or the whatever we're in. We get to choose whether we want God's intervention in there. I think that's pretty awesome. It gives Him permission to do what He longs to do and wants to do in our lives. But He waits for us to pray. You know, I, I kind of was thinking the other day and thinking about, let's just, I'm going to use a dad for an illustration. So let's say a dad takes their, their son or their daughter fishing, hunting. Well, let's just, say, let's just use hunting. Maybe I shouldn't, but we're going to use hunting. So a dad has taken his son hunting with him a few times when they're, and, they're, and they're, they're growing, you know. He's had them out there for a couple years, a few years. And finally, he's like, you know, he's taught them how to, to handle a weapon and stuff for hunting. And, you know, he thinks, okay, he's pretty good now. He's safe. So he says, okay, son, now I'm going to let you use it. And he might sit there with him a while. But then maybe next year he's going to say, okay, son, I'm going to leave you sit here by yourself and I'm going to go over here. I'm going to be over here. I'll only be about 50 yards away. If you need me, I'm right there. If you need me, call for me. I'll come. That's what God, God says. If you need me, I'm right here. All you have to do is say, I need you, Dad. I need you, Father. I need you, Dad. Come. He's guided us. He's given us His Word. He's taught us. But He wants us to call for Him. He wants us to invite Him to help. He wants to be part of our lives. He wants to answer our prayers. He wants us to pray for Him, but He doesn't force us to. We need to invite Him. Many are reluctant to discuss the spiritual realm. Why? Well, oftentimes people, when you say, oh, talk about spiritual things, they only think of the dark side. They think of the demonic or the satanic activities that's so apparent in the world today. But remember this. When the angels were cast out of heaven, only one-third sided with the devil. That means two-thirds are on our side. Amen? Amen. And also remember this. That other third, the adversary, who's their leader? Satan. He does not have the power of God. He's just a jealous old lion deceiving demon. But the others, the two-thirds that are on our side, God is their leader. God gives them their power. He is God. Ephesians 6, 10-12 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. His might. Not ours, but His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, 
against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. My friends, our battle is not in the natural. It is in the spiritual. We are to battle in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm. And we can do that in prayer by calling for God's help, calling that God would send His angels, that He would answer, that He would be with us. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So we do have an adversary out there. My friends, the spiritual realm is real. It is as real as we are sitting here today. And we are to be part of it, part of that battle. We are to resist the adversary, resist the devil in God's power, in His strength. His Word tells us to stand against the wiles and the schemes of the devil, but in His power. How amazing is that? That we can call upon the spiritual host, His angels, to help. You know, the devil wants us to think that everything's quiet and everything's peaceful. There is no battle going on. But in reality, there is a battle raging in the spiritual realm every single day. This very moment, there's a battle between the darkness and the light or the good and the evil. Because the devil hates God and the devil hates every single believer in God. He does not want, as I already said, anybody praying against his attempt to kill, steal, and destroy. Because he is jealous of the authority that belongs to God. He wants to exalt himself as God. And he is jealous of the dominion that God has given man over the earth. Because he thought it should be his. So he is trying to convince people that they are weak. He's trying to convince people that they are unlovable. That they are already defeated. Trying to convince people that are They're lost and beyond hope. But my friends, there's no one lost and beyond hope. If they still have breath, there is still hope. All they have to do is cry out to Jesus. But his lie of that we are already defeated is probably the biggest lie. For him trying to convince us that our prayers are ineffective is a lie. Because James chapter 5, 16 through 18 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Listen, friends. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He prayed again. And the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah was a man just like us. He had a nature just like we did. He prayed and it didn't rain. He prayed and it did rain. He prayed that God would send fire down out of heaven and consume the sacrifice. And it did. He was a man just like us. Friends, Daniel was a man just like us. He had a nature just like we do. And he prayed that God would, send his, would, would, would answer his prayers. And it set things in motion. 
So if they can do it, if Daniel can do it, if Elijah can do it, if Moses can do it, if all those wonderful men and women of the Bible that we read about, if they can do it, you can do it. We can do it. The prayers of a righteous man, a righteous woman, availeth much. Surrender. Humble ourselves before Him and pray. And pray and don't give up. I found a story of a man that had a dream. And in his dream, he said he was traveling and he came upon a little church. And on the roof of that little church was a demon, fast asleep. He went a little further down the road and he happened upon a little log cabin. It was surrounded by all kinds of demons, a bunch of them. They was all awake. So he asked one of the demons, why is there only one demon at the church? And here at this little cabin, there's so many. And that one back there, he's asleep. Well, the demon replied, the whole church is asleep. So one demon can take care of all the people there. But here in this cabin lives a man and a woman who commune with God in prayer every day. And they have more power than that whole church. Wake up. Wake up and pray. Daniel's vision clearly reveals that there is a realm beyond what we can see and touch, doesn't it? That it is as real as we're standing here. And I know, back to James. James says, You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. When we ask, are we in God's will? Are we saying, God, may your will be done? Are we asking for ourselves? Our prayers will become more powerful when instead of praying about getting something from God, it becomes more about relating to God. Connecting with God. Relating to Him. Communing with Him. To better understand His will. To understand understand His will for us. What He wants us to do and who He wants us to be. That's what our prayers need to be about. Communing with Him. We know that Daniel had an amazing relationship with God. He prayed three times a day. Even if it would get him cast into the lion's den. He still prayed three times a day, did he not? That's why he was cast into that lion's den. He was concerned for his people. You know, many exiles had already returned to Jerusalem. The city was not being rebuilt. He was concerned for his people. He was in distress is why he was praying. He wanted to understand the events that would unfold in the future. From the first day that you set your heart, first day that you humbled yourself, I heard. We should have the same determination when we pray as Daniel did. Pray and do not give up. We need to be like the woman in Jesus' parable. In Luke chapter 18, it says, Then He spoke a parable to them, that men ought always or always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was a certain judge, or in a city, a, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said to himself, 
Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall, not, and shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So we need to, excuse me, but we need to pester God. Keep pestering Him until He gives us an answer. That woman pestered that judge until he finally relented. My friends, that's what we need to do. Day after day, don't give up. I've heard people say, well, you only got to pray one time. If you, gotta, if you pray more than twice, that's a lack of faith. I say, that's a bunch of baloney. Pray and pray and pray and pray. Keep praying. Keep praying until you get the answer. Because Daniel reveals there may be a battle going on in the heavenlies to prevent that from happening until you keep praying. Show persistence. Pray and don't give up. Keep praying. I found another wonderful example of prayer. And the story comes to us from the captain of a ship who witnessed the power of prayer firsthand. The captain himself became a man of prayer after witnessing the prayers of George Mueller. Mueller, of course, most people know, was a prayer warrior. He established many orphanages. And this was a wonderful, righteousness, righteous man. So Mueller and his family they set off for Quebec, Canada. In 1877, and they were aboard the Sardian of Newfoundland. And the weather had turned cold, and the ship's progress was seriously slowed by extreme fog. The captain had been on the bridge for 24 hours when something happened, which was to revolutionize his life. George Mueller appeared on the bridge. He said, Captain, I have come to tell you that I must be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon. The captain said, That is impossible. Very well, said Mueller. If your ship cannot take me, God will find some other way. I have never broken an engagement in 52 years. He said, let us go down in the chart room and pray. The captain wondered which lunatic asylum Mueller had come from. Mueller, he said, do you know how dense this fog is? He says, no, my eyes do not see the density of the fog, but the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. Mueller then knelt down and prayed simply. When he had finished, the captain was about to pray. This is awesome. But Mueller put his hands on his shoulder and told him not to. He said, first of all, you do not believe that he will answer your prayer. Secondly, I believe that he already has answered mine. So there is no need for you to pray whatsoever. The captain looked at Mueller in amazement. Captain, he continued, I know my, I've known my Lord for 52 years and there has never been a single day that I have failed to get an audience with the king. Get up, captain, and open the door and you will find that the fog is gone. The captain walked across to the door and opened it and the fog was totally gone. It was the captain himself who later told the story of this incident and who was subsequently described by a well-known evangelist as one of the most devout men he'd ever known. It was prayer that swept his soul free of doubt, distemper, and after effects of a trial by an incoming tide of peace. 
For this reason, he could make such remarks in his entries in his journal that the greater difficulties, the greater the difficulties, the easier for faith. And a later entry, the greater the trial, the sweeter the victory. His victories came through prayer, trust in the Lord's unfailing promises, and a faith that God's truth would not fail. It is not enough to begin to pray, he advised, nor to pray aright, nor it is enough to continue for a time in prayer. But we must patiently believe to continue in prayer until we obtain an answer. So that's what I'm saying today. Pray until we get an answer. And we have not only continued in prayer to the end, but we have also to believe that God does hear us and will answer our prayers. We have to continue if we expect to be blessed, if we expect an answer to our prayers. And we must pray as one who already has the victory. Romans 8, 31-39 says, What then shall we say to these things? We kind of talked about this this morning. I said, don't get into my scripture. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm going to pause there, friends. Nobody can separate you from the love of Christ. No one and nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate us. Death cannot separate us. If we have Jesus Christ in our hearts, even the death of these natural bodies cannot separate us from Him. That is wonderful. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking there's no hope, that there's no peace, that there's no victory. Because we have victory and it's in Jesus Christ, our Savior, our risen Lord. Because He lives, we too can live. Because He defeated death, we can defeat death. You know, just this past week, I heard of an event, it was on the uh, Christian news thing or life news, in China. China, there was a church, a Christian church meeting in China and the government deemed that they were an illegal church. They went in there, tore that building down, turned that, tore that church, I don't know what kind of a building it was, but they tore that church building down, brought in dirt and sod. They didn't plant grass seed, they brought sod in. Within like two to three days, there was a building, it was gone, there's grass, grass planted. Kind of making it look like it was never even there. I've got this to say to the Chinese government. They may think they have won, but they did not win. They cannot destroy the church. They might have tore that building down, but there's still a body of believers there that believe in the almighty, powerful God, that believe in Jesus Christ. 
They think they have won. But we have the victory in Jesus Christ. They have the victory in Jesus Christ. We need to pray that that church, the church would grow by the multitude, by, multiply by hundreds and thousands. Because of that. I believe, look what happened with the Israelites. The more they suppressed them, the greater they multiplied. Same thing can happen in China. The more they suppress them, the more they may grow and multiply. So that might just set a fire under them. They might get out there and evangelize even more. We should be praying for them. We should be praying for the persecuted church all around the world, not just in China. Pray that God's Word would go forth. Friends, believe it, that your prayers will set things in motion. Not just here in our, our town, or our state, or our nation, but all around the world, our prayers have the power to set things in motion. So how important is it that we commune with God? One of the greatest tools that we have in our arsenal, and that is prayer. Pray and don't give up until you get an answer. Amen?